welcome to Everything Trying to Kill You, the funny, funny podcast about scary, scary movies. I'm Mary. I'm Megan. I'm Mary Kay. And today's topic, or the topic du jour, if you will, if you're like classy and shit, is I will not. Uh, the <laughs> that's the most <laughs> French I know how to say is uh, the chilling collaboration by Rob Reiner and Stephen King, which you've probably referenced, even if you've never actually seen or read it. Misery. Yay, misery! Woo. Yay, that kinda. Was... I'm so excited! Wow. <laughs> Yay, Kathy Bates. Let's uh, we all there know we who's a real star of this show. Look, Kathy there are Bates is incredible. there are any number. We're gonna get to this. There are any number of really interesting people on this production team, but Kathy Bates. This was a breakout role for her. Also, I just kept thinking about her skin. Like, like she got all these really intense close-ups, and I was like, what the fuck? are you putting on your flesh? Because <laughs> she wasn't that young when this happened. Like, that was kind of the point, was that she was already a little bit older. It was kind of odd that, you know, this woman had been so alone for so long. Yeah. But her skin is just porcelain, just like flawless, radiant, mm-hmm. unlined. You know who she, oh my God, you know who she reminds me of? Mary Kay. I know who you're going to say, but I want you to say it. Robin. Yep, that's exactly what I thought you were going to say. Robin, who always says that her skin is so nice because she's so chubby, it, it pushes her wrinkles out. And then I laughed, like, real hard when she said it the first time. It worked. Whatever works, man. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it's a very similar where, like, she just looks very fresh and glowy and unwrinkled completely. It's absurd. So. Yep. And she still looks amazing and is amazing because Kathy Bates is the shit. And she recently just gave a speech and an award ceremony that was fucking out of control and later was like, whatever, I was on cough syrup. So <laughs> let's link to it in the show notes. So send it to been... us so I can do that. Okay. I'll try to find it and send it to you. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, that's, that's that when Stephen King was like, you know, at this point he had a, had a little bit of a career going, you know, it's what 1990 and he made the character, uh, Annie, the character that Kathy Bates plays was this kind of amalgam of all of his creepiest, scariest fans. If you were to be famous, and I think this might actually be kind of a two parter in that, like, what would you get famous for actually? Like, let's be real with ourselves. And then once you were famous, what would the on-brand nightmare fan be for you? Like for him, it was this sheltered, unstable, rural nurse. I'm just over here trying to think about who my scary fan would be. Because I just realized the disclaimer that it was like a scary fan, not just like an obsessed fan. But like it needs to be a scary, obsessed fan. Yeah, like it would be the one that's, that's scary for you. Like, Annie might not be scary to, like, if my mom had a fan and it were Annie, they'd probably get along great. That's what I'm saying. I didn't immediately, in my head, put the scary definer there. If I had an obsessive fan, I would absolutely just want to be, like, stalked by a dog. Just every time I turn around a corner, there's just, like, a dog looking at me. That's, like, every single dog, though. Okay. All yeah. of the <laughs> That's my personal hell. <laughs> <laughs> That's Mary Kay's That's Mary Kay's fan. scariest fan. <laughs> Oh my gosh, just a bunch of tiny, yappy dogs. Aww. Fucking. Ugh. Chewy, just stare at her. Sorry, no. <laughs> Chewy's like, are you shitting me? I'm a dog and there's a thunderstorm happening. Why would I, I know. do this? He's terrified. That's. I think that's why Aww. he's here. <laughs> he's sad. just shaking. I Wait, so who's, what, what would yours be, Megan? I don't know if it's got to be something scary. Ugh. She doesn't have a rational fear response. I don't have a rational fear response to anything. So that's what I'm saying. What would your personal, like, okay, what's the thing you get famous for? What is the on-brand thing you get famous for? I feel like maybe it's, like, a research paper that proves that, like, 
something something cool. Like, like humans was- are inherently good. It's definitely probably something research related. Somebody at work today was Ooh, like, I know, Megan. can you fudge these numbers to make them say this? And I was like, no, I live in a world of data. I do not live in a world of feelings. I can't fudge numbers to say what you want to say. So it would definitely probably be something researchy. Meanwhile, I can't fudge numbers because math is incredible mm-hmm. for some i think it's gonna be like it, right? i think your unstable fan or your scariest fan is gonna be like white lady susan in whole foods being like oh my god are you megan stonebrooks and trying to talk to you in the grocery <laughs> store you're correct that's exactly what that. it is <laughs> no yeah. i know who it is i know who it is i know who it yeah. is it is fellow fellow pregnant lady but like lululemon <laughs> pregnant lady Who's, like, so obsessed with your research, but, like, wants you to, like, go to brunches and yogas and wants to, like, touch your belly. Oh, yeah. No, mm-hmm. please. No. But, and yeah, then you find probably... out she's not really pregnant and she uh, just wants to steal your kid. Oh, my and God. Actually, yep. And go. actually. And That's actually, a true story. She's, yep. she's jealous because she used to have a research career and then she had a baby and then it died. And it's like, why did I give all that up? Oh, so my now... God, Mary. Moving on. <laughs> this is Darkest timeline. All right, cool. Um, thanks Good for listening together. to this episode on Misery. Our next episode's going to be on this movie that Mary just made up. <laughs> we can start writing these down because some of them have actually been Hold on. Write that shit down before you forget. I'm doing it right now. Good, good, good. Where's my pencil, though? I want to use a pencil. I don't want to commit too hard. You know what I mean? Of course. Yeah, you can always change your mind later. We're not married to this idea. This is like a second date. You can totally get out of it if you want. Oh my gosh. What about you, Mary Kay? What are you famous for? Obviously, you're a badass serial killer book. My book. Yes, which coincidentally is about a murdery nurse. So that's fun. Um, I also feel like I need to tell you guys that <clears throat> I worked Theodore Roosevelt into the plot today. I saw so, that. I saw and that. of course you did. Yeah. I just wanted to let everybody know that... I'll love him forever. I think my scariest fan is the one who, maybe like an agent situation, where it's like, we really love your work, we want to do a lot of good stuff for you, and then I'm so gullible and so uninformed about the industry that they're like, oh, but first you have to do this and this and this, and then I just keep doing it, and then gradually I'm like... I don't know, like, remember that song when you were a kid, like, my name is Joe and I work in a button factory, and then my boss said, do this, push this button with your left hand? Hi, my name is Joe. Got a wife, three kids, and I work in a button factory. I feel like it would get to be like that. I'm so glad you know what she's talking about. And then I would end up hating what I love. That would be my scariest fan. They would turn me against my own self. It's like, um, it's like, um, what's the song uh, about the, with the kids and the, blah, 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 blah. but anyway, like different parts of your body do different things. Yeah. So by the end of the song, your whole body's doing something. It's, it's a good, like active song for kids. So they yeah. do a lot of like summer camps and stuff. Yeah. But it's Mary Kay's worst nightmare. Well, but not that, in terms kind of, of publishing. Like writing. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Well, because then it would be like, I would be, it would be like a false hope type thing. Yeah. I think that would be my worst my nightmare fan is that i finally get to be writing television or movies that's very exciting and i get a lot of attention understandably because representation is shit especially behind the camera at this point and um i get attention for being a black woman 
was writing and show writing and all this cool stuff and it's very exciting except that then I get singled out by uh, a stalker as being not black enough. I feel like that's very politically They try to like tear me down except that part of me thinks they deserve to. Yikes. It sounds like, yours sounds like a Selena situation. Remember Selena? Selena did not deserve to be treated. Yeah, but Selena did not And she felt like she wasn't Mexican enough. So so, so kind of like that. Yeah, so there'd be this part of me that actually believes that that is true and that's what I deserve. And then another part of me that's like, yeah, but, you know, you didn't have anyone to look at when you were a kid. Like, I remember Halle Berry winning an Oscar and being like, well, I guess I'll be the first mixed woman then. Shit, if she has to be the first black woman. Because in my mind, it was like, oh, cool, another mixed girl did it, except that she, that's not how it was treated. Well, she said that she had to choose. Yeah, her mother told her to as a kid. She, her mother was yeah. basically like, you, here's what you look like, here's what I look like. This is how people are actually going to treat you and actually going to see you. You just need to, you need to choose Lean that. Lean into it. Lean into it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and my folks um, never gave me that kind of thing at all. Like well, we're younger than as, she is by a lot. So by a lot. Yeah, it was times never had changed. And also, I look very different from her. My siblings and I all look very True. different from, from her. Like, there was no question. If you saw us with our parents like neither parent was very jarring if you saw us all together as a family it was like oh yeah they landed right halfway in the middle okay so yeah I feel like that would be my nightmare situation because it would be really destabilizing to me like half of the half of the, the conflict and turmoil would be internal for me can I tell you mine for you oh god sure because I thought this was happening so Mary is very good about responding to messages and I sent her a message in the morning one day and didn't get a message all day back, which is very uncharacteristic. And so I sent like a, you know how you like pile them on and be like, oh, they'll get them when they see it. Like, here's another thing I thought of just like while I'm thinking about it, she'll see it on yeah. a break or whatever. Well, especially because close friends, like you're not going yeah. to weird it out if your best friend. Right. No, no, no. Right. It's like I would be doing this on the phone, except for we're both at work and I shouldn't be doing this. But real quick, like, here's the thing. Um. And I didn't get a response all day. And I was like, okay. And then I waited until like 11 o'clock at night. And I texted, are you alive? Period. In all capitals. And then I got a response that said, this is Mary's best friend. My gosh, that was just horrifying. When you I thought screenshot. you were being miseried. I was like, Mary would not do this. <laughs> what is happening right now? Then And then I mess- I screenshotted it and texted it to Megan. And I was like, should we call the police? I feel like we should call the police. This is a very misery situation. But it turned out that she just left her phone at the bar. So <laughs> everything was fine. <laughs> she had not been kidnapped. Day. Right. I was not miseried. I, I had a weird night. And I don't remember that happening. I don't remember my friend sending that. And it's entirely possible. I mean, I could ask her. I never have. It's entirely possible that I was so out of it at that point that she even showed it to me. and was like, can I send this? And I was like, sure. I don't know. Oh, girl, I've sent messages when I was just so tired I didn't remember sending them. And in the morning I was like, oh, I need to respond to that. Oh, shit, we had a whole conversation that I don't remember. I just needed our listeners to know that we were ready to go get you. We, we were, were ready to go extract you. <laughs> been taken. <laughs> Snatched. Oh, That's what Amy Schumer rebranded it, which I think is funnier. <laughs> she and Goldie Hawn got woman. snatched. <laughs> yeah, I think it's funny if a... I think a snatch is really funny if a woman does it to a woman, too. Because then it's like mm-hmm. we're taking back the word. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
which I think so, that's what was happening. But yeah. Yes, yes, yes. I never saw it, so I don't know if a woman took them. I just know that the two of them were gone together. Being miseried, as it were, <laughs> held, held hostage for the purpose of artistic exploitation. Being miseried, is it scary? Is this story scary? I mean, apparently you think it's scary enough. You wouldn't want it to happen to me. You were going to come to Texas and fucking extract me. Oh, I think it's scary, yeah. I think the concept, yeah. yeah. The concept is definitely terrifying. Definitely, yes. Yeah. I read this years ago, and I could not stop. It was like, it was definitely one of those, like, did not go to sleep all night situations, because I just couldn't stop the pages moving. Having never seen the movie, never read the book, I honestly did not know if he was going to make it out or what was going to happen, so I... Yeah, had to know. Yeah, this is one of my other best friends. And you guys know, best friend is a tear, not, not a yes. person. Okay. Um, sh- this is one of her favorite movies, and she's so soft-spoken. It's like, one time I was like, I want high heel tennis shoes. I've always wanted some, and I'm going to go get some. And she just texts, she I mean, didn't even text me back. We were in person, and she just goes, I've always wanted some. Like, that's what she said when, when we said we were going to do this movie. She was like, that's my favorite movie. <laughs> She's a nurse. We were... Fun fact. Oh. <laughs> Probably one of the reasons why she likes it so much. Yeah. It's like the time we were in the car. My dad, who does not talk or laugh or smile. Um, he's a very funny person. He's a pastor. It's not like he doesn't talk at all. He gives a speech every week for a living. But he's not a talker or laugher or smiler. Um... We road tripped all the time when I was a kid. And when I was in high school, we were road tripping out to San Diego and back. On the way back, it was the middle of the night. I was the only one up. I was sitting up front with him. Everyone else was asleep in the back of the Volkswagen camper that we had while I was growing up. And Rosalita by Bruce Springsteen came on the radio. And he turned it up a single notch. So it wouldn't wake up anybody, but just a single notch and said, this is my favorite song. (laughs) (laughs) And I literally started crying because it was such a weird, like, personal, like, he's a human being who's had, like, exper- like he has favorite songs. There's a sentimental attachment to the song for him. That's so weird. That's such a weird thing, like, when you realize your parents are also people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, yeah, I do think that this movie is scary. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I think it, like many movies from the 80s, like, you could execute it better. Yeah. But mm-hmm. there were parts when I was, like, in it. And I was like, oh. This is ooh. the the parts yeah. that are done well are done very very well yeah. for the most mm-hmm. part stand the test of time and the parts that were not done as well you're just kind of like ew well you can kind of go with it though because you know that yeah. it's a time yeah thing or for yeah, me at least a, not a big yeah like uh my the part that had my there were two parts that had like me working. Like, I was like, well, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no. And one of them, of course, is when he sends her to get the paper and he's not moving fast enough, but he's trying. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then she, I was like, oh, no, oh, fuck. Oh, no, something bad is going to happen. Oh, shit. (laughs) And then she drops the paper and I was like, that's not enough. Drop them all. Like, that's. Throw them. Yeah. That was, that part had me stressed out. And then Mm -hmm. I knew when he put that penguin back i was like this is our bomb under the table that hitchcock talks about where yeah. I, like make them forget about the bomb mm-hmm. you guys mm-hmm. know this yeah yeah okay. I'm, i well, don't but okay. if it, i do but in case listeners don't please yeah for so for our listeners hitchcock said you know when you're writing horror you put a bomb under the table and then you make your your viewers forget about the bomb 
and yeah. then they remember it and then it goes off. Like it has to happen like that for it to be suspenseful. Really yeah. They have right. to forget and then come back to it. And I think that was, I thought that was pretty well done because that's what leads to, I think the number one scariest scene, which I think we talk about later in the body horror section. Oh yeah. 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 So, I'm sure. Also, yeah. I'm just going to say now. it. Nurses and doctors creep me out. They're too powerful. They know too much. They are. Well, and then, like, you're blindly putting your faith in these people to not fuck your life up. Truly, their life is in your hands. And there are way too many documented cases of the angel of death bullshit where nurses are in positions and are purposely just like, ha ha, I'm going to kill this bitch today. I don't, I don't fuck with this. I don't have yeah. time for it. We're going to we're going to touch on a specific angel of death that inspired the character of Annie right. in a little bit. Yeah. Um but lots of people are freaked out by that. And part, yeah, again, it's it's the no too much thing and even if you know <clears throat> intellectually that the stuff they know is real and they know it because science and mm-hmm. it makes sense, but I'm trusting also, them to execute it properly. Right. Mm-hmm. And the with stuff good that you're intentions. Them to do is is just unbelievable it, it's surreal the kind of things that we ask of medical professionals and that they then do to be fair like that they actually do execute on a regular basis it's yeah and i think to a degree too like in order to be able to do it you have to have a level of detachment that yeah. you can turn on and off fairly easily because if you see it as a body that's something that you can do but if you see it as a human that's when you start messing up. On that note, I was thinking about this the other night. So we talk often about the fact that we each have our horror things that we can't handle. And you were mm-hmm. saying, you often say one of yours is like scary children. Yeah. That's not a thing for you. That's also a thing when it comes to social services or medical services, that mm-hmm. everyone has the thing that they can do. So my mother thought it was just beyond belief and angelic that I worked with kids. Mm-hmm. She just could not imagine. My mother loved being a hospice and elder care nurse. My mom talks fondly about sitting with her patients who had their Holocaust tattoos back in Brooklyn. Like, she worked at Bellevue for a while in elder care. I Dang. Can't, I cannot What a remember. saint. I feel like you can do one or the other easily. You can yeah. work with the elderly crowd or you can work with kids. I can't work with the elderly. And I think that there's those kind of divides. So, like, for me, that that's a kind of... There's too much emotional baggage with... I, that's so hard for me to face. And for her, the, the idea elderly. of working with, with children was just beyond anything she could handle. And then there are people who love working in these really, like, something like, like emergency care, where mm-hmm. it's super fast-paced, super intense. Every decision is, like, every decision is life or death, but also every decision is, like quick made on the fly yeah exactly what you have in front of you and there may come more information to light later but then well you don't have time to think about what you're doing i mean right that's came out wrong but you don't have time to like well you can't sit there and weigh your options and make a venn diagram right yeah you don't have time to get hung up you have to go with your instinct type of deal you have to trust your training work in diagnostics where it is that's like like love to work like a diagnostic like like internal medicine What's Annie's then? What's her thing she can't do? Uh, I was going to say keep people alive, apparently. Have normal, appropriate boundaries? Not murder. Yeah, that, Based on her scrapbook, I'm going to say not murder. Well, she does it all for attention, too. And that, and that is the worst part of it, because it doesn't even have to do. I think it's a big part of it. 
I don't think it's, yeah, I think it's a big part. Why is she doing this? Why anyone? I don't think she ever intended to let him out. She wanted him to write a book and then she could publish it as fan fiction, which is how she tries to pass it off to the sheriff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the sheriff is like, this is a crazy bitch. Something is going down here. Here's something that stuck out to me about that. Was that she, okay. with Paul, she's not real quick on her feet, right? Like she's transparent to him often. In fact, that's mm-hmm. that's part of what is scary about her is that she can't navigate or she can't um, determine like what she's going to share and what she's not at any given moment. So then with the sheriff, when she was moving, I was like, oh, is this that medical training kind of shit? Oh. Like, it's, an em- it's an emergency and I don't give a shit about the person in front of me so I can detach enough to like... Come up with a go, come up with a go, come up with a go, come up with a go. Because in front of Paul, who she cares about immensely, she right. can't she can't adjust herself. Ooh. And I was like, I wonder if that's like that. I don't know, but I know that Kathy Bates she was coming from more theater work, and James Kahn was coming from a lot of film work. And Kahn liked to work without rehearsal because that's normal for a film set. He liked just keep doing takes and do it differently and change it up and surprise each other. Yeah. And she wanted to rehearse and unpack and explore. And uh, when she went to Rob Reiner, who directed this, who is, you know, meathead and directed half the movies you love and is wonderful. Um, when she went to him and said, I'm, I'm just like, it's not that she had a problem with him personally or even artistically, but that, that style of working she was really struggling with and she was getting mm-hmm. frustrated. What did she do? He said, Honestly, I think the best thing to do is to channel it into your performance because it's a film set. You're never going to get as much rehearsal as you want and the kind of work you're doing is really great. She developed a really rich backstory for this character that didn't exist in the novel. Dude, Kathy Bates is perfect. Amazing. Yes, in everything. Love her. Mm -hmm. Keep going, Mary. I just needed for a second to be like... (laughs) I just needed to be like a little kid for a second about her. Go ahead. (laughs) Yeah, so she, so she channeled that kind of frustration into her performance, but she built this incredible backstory. And uh, and we can, I'm happy to elaborate when we talk more specifically about Annie, but I mean, that, that does bring us to kind of the next thing that's scary about this, which is artistic process. Like, is this scary yeah. from, the, from the perspective of I'm an artist and how does this, well, what does this mean? What to watch this as, or I guess read this if you read it. Um, as an artist, because I feel like it does scare I mean, me artistically. It does not. Oh, it does. It does. Oh, it does. Okay. Yeah, me too. And then, so on the one hand, it's like this is a bad circumstance, and then on the other hand, I'm like, and this is totally meant as a joke. So please laugh at the end because I'm not being serious. <laughs> but I feel like it could be taken as serious, so I, I needed to preface it that way. Okay. Um, but like ninety percent joking. Okay. Um, Got it. I also will do anything but the thing that I love. So, like, yes. my whole house has to be clean. Everything has to be put away just so before I will sit down and write the fucking thing. Mm-hmm. I have it all up here. It's just, like, I distract myself. And I think it's sort of like a fear of failure type deal. But on the one hand, I'm like, Kathy Bates is fucking unhinged. And it's more the way that she portrays it because she does it so well with the screen between us is more interesting to me than scary. Mm -hmm. It would be very scary in the moment. And I would write the shit out of that book because nothing motivates me except for the last minute. Like I have to give myself deadlines or I won't do it. So I think a lot of creative people are that way too. I know that like for me and then a lot of programmers that I know, 
will only work late at night because the rest of your brain is turned off. You can focus better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, as far as artistic process goes, they're all a little bit unhealthy, I think. Like, you have people who will be like, no, I write four hours every morning. It's like, okay, bitch. All right. Good, <laughs> like, good for fucking you. Okay. They're yeah. a liar. Yeah, right? <laughs> These are the professional ones, like Joyce Carol Oates, who, like, churns out great shit all the time. I know. And if you ask, any interview, if you ask her, like, hey, you just keep churning out great shit, she's like, no, I don't. That's why I write four hours every day. Because three and a half hours of that is garbage. Yeah, Um, that makes sense, too. I'm just being spiteful, okay? I know none of this is true. Just being resentful of other people's success and jealous. You you happen to bring up one person who I've actually I've actually read an interview with her lately and she did say like yeah there's a reason I do that much because and it took her a long time because it get takes that much write the, yeah. yeah like it takes that much writing to turn out something good um I thought a lot about the phrase kill your darlings yeah which yeah. most writers have heard and it's especially commonly used in uh in dramatic writing that yeah. a lot of the time, the scene you love, the character you love, the moment you love. But it, it usually means like the thing that you're most attached to is the th- least good thing in your writing. Often, yes. That often yeah. the reason you're attached to it is that it's doing something that you didn't accomplish where you were supposed to. Yeah. Or it's doing something that isn't a part of this story. So you don't want to let it go because you're afraid you'll just lose it. Yeah. When really you just need to write a whole other thing. That is that. Um but the idea being that if you're working on when you're working on a project, it's not the it's not about writing it out to be what it is. It's about chipping away to what it is, like breaking right. it down to what it is, which in this weird way is very literally what Annie is doing to Paul. She cool. loves this thing. She loves what he creates. And then she literally breaks him over and over until she gets what it was. Supposed That's to be. true. And like in a metaphorical and joking way. Don't we all want that fan, like that dedicated of an editor, to be like, this is shit, start over. Like, this Mm. is bad. This is not up to your standard. Cut it. Someone to try again. Well, we only want it from a fan, though, right? Like, you don't want it from an editor because it's like, no, you're just being mean. You don't understand my vision. But if it's a fan... No, they fucking get it. I mean, I do want it to be Kathy Bates, but... <laughs> but not Kathy Bates with an axe or as right. a nurse. Not Annie. Right. Kathy Bates. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, she... Uh, that that's, that, that isn't, isn't necessary. You don't have to break my ankles. I don't think you have to break my ankles. Just break my ankles. spirit, not my ankles. Also, don't break my spirit, dear God. Then I don't write anything. That's another right. common misconception, right? That, like, when, we're, when, our, when we are depressed, when we are morose, when we are... A mess. That's when we do work. No, bitch. I might write a bunch, but it's probably not anything. No, that's, that's not right at all. This is yeah. like pages of like literal misery, not like. I don't know. That's when my best choreography came from was when life was rough. Whether I was just like stressed or life actually was shit or I was sad. The most a beautiful. Between... There is a difference between choreography and writing. For sure. For and also sure. The difference between using using an artistic medium to process. Yes, that's what. Yeah. And and using in a kind of a therapeutic or healing or exploratory way, and then the idea that if you are healthy, you can't be creative because that's the scariest thing for any artist, right? Well, yeah, no, that's fair. That's can't fair. create. Yeah. You can't create at all. And it's not. To and say that's that also never made totally anything. untrue. <laughs> that's not yeah, right. There's nothing. There's. No, it's not to say that I've never made 
I am I am a person whose baseline state is not well. I have made plenty of things that I'm proud of or that I was excited about or that have turned out really well when I was not doing very well. Mm-hmm. But that's because that's like my baseline state and I am an artist. <laughs> when I am healthy, I'm likely to get more done. I'm likely to be more clear-headed about it. I'm likely to do things kind of more quickly or efficiently or judiciously. I'm more likely to share my shit with people who will give me valuable feedback if I am well. Yeah, if and I'm- another thing about that is like, that just happened to be how you were feeling then. Like, right. you don't have to manufacture Yeah, no. a terrible situation to be creative. No, I still churned out beautiful choreography when I was in great spaces. Yeah. 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 And I, and I don't, and I, I deserve to feel safe and stable and I don't deserve like one at the expense of the other. Like right. everyone, hi yeah. guys, everyone listening. If you don't feel great and you're afraid that if you go on a medication, it's going to break your brain and you'll never make anything good again. It's bullshit. Yeah, that's it's not true. It's just bullshit. And if you do try something that does feel like it broke your brain a little, talk to your doctor. Stay patient for yeah, a minute. Yeah, that's not the right thing then if it's doing that. Yeah. If you can't create yes. for a month Therapist or two. Therapist Megan is here to tell you there's thousands of meds on the market. Not all of them are going to work for you. And if you can't create for a month or two while you wait it out to make sure that you've made the right decision, it is a month or two. When did Sam Jackson start? When did his career actually take off? In his fucking 40s? Look. Look. You can survive a month or two, but you can't necessarily survive untreated if you're not well go get well moral of this episode you won't lose your creativity if you are mentally healthy but yeah let's go lighthearted now let's talk about how stephen king always has some white alcoholic male writer retreat into the mountains of colorado to write a masterpiece they're bitter about and a woman trying to sabotage their work even though they're actually helping just fucking write about what you know stephen king also This is It's like when rappers rap about rapping. Like have an original thought. No one else can identify with that. Don't tell me what I can identify with, Mary Kay. I'm just saying like mm. this is Maybe. the premise of this is very similar to The Shining. It is. Even even people. to the fact that James Kahn is hot like Jack Nicholson is hot. Not the same level of Not hot, the though. same. No. But, but there James is a hot lightness. Also, adjacent okay. hotness, yes. Okay, James Conn. Oh, no, Jimmy Conn is way more classically hot than Jack Nicholson. For sure. Yes. Talk to me about Sonny Corleone. I will talk. I will do no talking about Sonny Corleone. I will just watch and listen. <laughs> exactly. That's why on the last episode, I called him the hottest guy from The Godfather. I said it. I love Pacino. Do I love Pacino? Of course I do. Do I love Brando? I do. I do. But in that movie, in, in that, that movie. movie him and then Robert Duvall and then Brando. That's the ranking mm-hmm. to me. Mm-hmm. Bobby That's Duvall, fair. yeah, because Pacino hasn't finished cooking yet. Then what? He hasn't finished cooking yet. Duvall? No, no, no. Pacino, Pacino. correct? Yeah, he's too. So he's too baby faced. So you brought up. You brought up like Stephen King, like writing about white alcoholic male writers, and that is. A I feel like you get one. Here. You get one autobiography. And everything else should be, like, out of your wheelhouse, fresh, creative. And I just, I, it I just frustrates wish one person, me when writers do this, and, and songwriters, and whoever. It's I like, just wish hey. one person would tell Tim Burton that. Like, you already yeah. did Edward Scissorhands. Stop. Do something else. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
He's so, done. He has made his four, right? Don't you get four really good things? Isn't that the rule? I don't, I've never heard that rule, and I'm going to pretend uh, I didn't hear it so that I go on to make seven great things. <laughs> I never know five. when you peak, though. That's the thing. Uh, anyway, you're right. He keeps remaking the same thing. Uh, we love it, but we'd also like to see, you know. Other things. Yeah. So he's um, great. Yeah. So we've been talking a little bit already about, like, that feeling of lack of control about of your of your body or your mind. And uh, Annie's mental illness is, I would say, readily apparent. Yeah, yes. I would say so. Story. I would say um, that that's, it's pretty on the nose. Paul's It's not subtle. Not so much so unless you know mm-hmm. Stephen King's background, which is that he um, is an alcoholic. Addiction and mental illness are... I'm, I'm doing a weird, Squares like, meshy, meshy hands thing. Yeah, in that they're, they're, both, they're both illnesses. They're just... Uh, how they manifest, how they function, has a lot of overlap, a lot of similarity. Yeah, but they do say that in the movie, that Mm -hmm. he only has the bottle of champagne when he finishes a book because he quit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and he quit quit smoking. That's why he only has the one cigarette. Right. Right. So um, for me, that was a really scary thing, watching. It took King years to acknowledge openly that, yes, in this story... There is some allegory. Annie is, to some degree, his his drug addiction, he had a prescription drug addiction, and how that affected his body and affected his work. Part of the scary part was watching Annie, because you know, you know, I've talked a little bit about this on the podcast lately that like dealing with mental illness and how it affects your day to day life and your choices and your relationships and everything. Whew, I found myself real back and forth about it, especially knowing how much work Kathy Bates had done to develop the backstory of this character and what she'd been through and how she got here and why mm-hmm. she behaves the way she does. Um, so addiction and mental illness, the next bullet point on the list of why the fuck is this scary? Yeah. So I liked that the character when we were watching her felt very fleshed out, but I did not like how little attention that character got. Like, we got all of the information when we're looking through her scrapbook. And it's like, uh, why didn't we get to see this? This is the interesting part. Which is why I'm writing my book about very, very similar events to what she does with all her, like, mercy killings type thing to get attention and raise in in status. But the alcoholism is, it could have been the scariest part of this movie. But we just kind of leave that alone. And the real scariest part is the delusions of grandeur in Paul by thinking that he can overcome a blizzard by a sheer force of will. Natural disaster is fucking scary. You are not exempt from it. You need to seek cover. Even if Kathy Bates is waiting to jaws of life you out of out of whatever danger you've put yourself in, your legs are still going to be fucking mangled. And then you're going to have to write a new book because she's going to light that shit on fire because it sucks. Delusions of grandeur. (laughs) was what I was trying to talk about. He doesn't even like his own fucking book. I mean, I know we've all been there, but like, it's usually being frustrated at the execution, not like, oh, this shit again. So frustrating to me. It's like, I'm sorry that people are excited that you're writing. Yes, you do owe it to your fan base to write the next book. No, no, the book, the book that gets set on fire at the beginning, that's not a misery book. So the, the, not, the manuscript on his person 
is his new novel, the one he's actually excited about. While he while he's recovering, she goes to town. Yes, and she's so proud of herself for finding it. And his his feeble, feeble, baby, weak, um, vulnerable manuscript that he actually cares about is sitting back at the cabin. Yes. Yeah, and what a world before copies, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, that was the only copy. Ugh! How stressed out would you be all of the time? If you knew that what into... you were typing is the only version. Fucking no. Woo. I'd be, I'd be jumping into lakes like, what's his face in Love Actually? Yeah. Colin Firth? Mm-hmm. I mean, I'd be the hot Portuguese girl, but yeah, it's fine. <laughs> I wouldn't be in that movie because it's trash. I hate romantic comedies. I hate Same. them. And then someone told me, like, it's not a typical one, bitch. It is the exact formula. It is the exact formula. No, no. It just it took, like, 17 formulas and put them in one movie. Right. And you know what? So... So yeah, so on this topic of, uh, of addiction and mental illness, the line, one of the lines that stood out to me tremendously, because it's a really common sentiment from both ill people and addicts. Oh my God, I'm so ready. Is, <laughs> look what you made me do. The sense that because there is so much that does feel out of your control, that then other people's actions also, like that, that feeling that you don't get to decide what you do. Yes. Look what you That's made me do. That's the cop out. I thought, Ain't nobody oh. made you do nothing, Taylor Swift. Y'all, I seriously spit my juice at Because, like, it's such a serious thing. And I was like, yes, this is very deep and very accurate. And then all of a sudden I read Mary Kay's line and I dribbled orange juice out of the corner of my mouth like a child. Because, oh my God. All, first of all, the Taylor Swift song, I was like, girl, this is terrible. I really want to set a, the song and you on fire right now. Like, no, no one made you do anything. Like, you have more resources than anybody in the world no one made you do anything for also that. stop trying to dance taylor swift you're not good i mean she's not a dancer should, that's true no she's everyone not. should dance as much as they want to but she nope. is not a dancer nope no. right yes it's everyone should enjoy she needs to stick to her thing look. where she tried to be the girl that was quirky and like knew she couldn't dance and she was just kind of gangly and offbeat that worked for her in that music video yes. she was like look at me be sexy and roll my hips and i was like mm-mm yeah, but, like, nope. Ellen's not a good dancer, and we love it when she does it. Yeah, but Ellen is doing it to be kind Ironically. of, like, again, silly and kind of quirky. She also yeah. really hates that that's a thing. Ellen, yeah, I've heard that. Yeah, she, like, was like, I did it once, and then people were like, Ellen, dance! And she's like, I don't want to fucking dance. Like, But, yeah, she does it ironically. When Taylor Swift did her little shake it off video where she was like ironically dancing in multiple styles, it was funny. And look what she made me do. She tried to be serious. You're just not a bad girl, Tay-Tay. Well, moving forward, um, yeah, no, so this... <laughs> that was our is, analysis on Taylor Swift's career, everybody. It is, like, a, a semi-heavy thing. How much is how much of what you do is, like, obviously everything is your responsibility. Ultimately, you made choices, you did things. How much of it... Comes from when an you, external motivator. Right, when, when you have, when you got like shit busted internally to the point that you it is hard to tell how much is some sort of biological drive and how much is a choice you made it gets really confusing and it's really scary to be inside of your own head and that's something i think kathy bates did a beautiful job with and did a beautiful job unpacking i can tell that she unpacked it beautifully because it comes through in the performance that there are all these moments that you feel so much so much empathy for and so much concern for annie yeah like when she's like you must really hate me after the way that i talked to you it's right. like, okay, like, you're so human. Like, like, yeah, he does hate you now. 
And there's probably nothing you can get. Yeah. When she's so nervous and excited about dinner. Yeah. You almost feel bad because you don't. Yeah, he needs to get out. Yeah, this is terrifying. But in this moment, she's clearly not going to. This moment. She's not going to do it. She's just so. She's on her first date. Yeah. She's so excited and so nervous. And in this moment. But it's not her first date. I thought she was married. But you you know what I mean? Like, like. With a, him, yeah. Like, right, yeah, like, like she's so nervous and excited that in this at this moment in her brain, you can see there's no intention of hurting him. If anything, she's like keeping her fingers crossed that this, like, yeah, really goes somewhere. Except that you also know that because you've already seen it, if he says the wrong thing or does the wrong thing, it could go completely off the rails. So she will she bring the literal be- hammer down. If yeah. he says or she, does she the wrong thing, a beautiful job of unpacking the fact that she can be, she can be that she is. Annie yeah. is both a really sweet and generous person, and utterly terrifying and completely lacking in, I would say, lacking in self control. Except that it takes a lot of planning to do a bunch of the stuff she, she did. So a little bit, yeah. She's a really, she's a really complex character and a lot of fun. And I just a fun anecdote on the how much are you responsible for and what do you do and how do you handle it when you've when you've been out of control. Uh, Khan showed up one day to shoot so hungover that all of his shit was unusable. Nice. Wow. And they didn't they didn't initially tell him, but he saw a dailies. He like he he went to look at the footage and was so mortified that he bought a day of shooting and reshot Owned everything up to out his of mistake. Re- reshot it out of pocket. Pocket. Yeah. And that's the kind of, like, accountability thing that, you know, you... You do. That's... That you do, but yeah, yeah. that you hope that you hope that you do when you... When yeah, you I mean, everybody fucks up. It's just about how much... You own up to it. Own it, yeah. Right. And when you are Annie, how much can she own it? That's where it gets scary for me, is, like, what... What can she tell and what can't she? And even when she says, you must hate me, is it an accountability thing, or is it a... Just a new level of scary. She kind of reminds me of Crazy Eyes in Orange is the New Black. Yes. Where she's like a scary child. Yes. Yeah. There's some kind of weird innocence there that you can't totally hate them, but something's not right. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I was trying to like cash that out in my head, that comparison, but like definitely agree with it. I like the comparison a lot, especially because also Zodoba has, has done a beautiful job with that character. She has. Like, what am I, I love what her am I, so much as an actress. One of my, one of my characters, is named, one of my cats, excuse me, is named after her. He was originally Suzanne Crazy Eyes Warren. And then he teabagged me one time and I was <laughs> like, ah, he's a male. And my ex was like, yeah, I know. And I was like, that would have been a great morning to have had before. <laughs> These kitten testicles were on your nose. Speaking of body horror. <laughs> Let's talk about these mangled legs and this hobbling shit. Fuck. I don't know which one is worse, being hobbled or being teabagged by a cat. I feel like they're pretty equal. They're both terrible. That scene, though, was so... I couldn't believe they showed it. I was like, whoa. Yeah. Mangled Mm. limbs are my soft spot. Oh, my gosh. Mm -hmm. That was really rough. In case you guys don't... You can't tell by the way that I'm talking. I'm having to hold my face right now. Just she's like rubbing, rubbing it at she's the like rubbing her eyes further and further into her own skull. Oh my gosh, like that was she's trying up. to massage the vision. Super out of her upsetting. Brain. Yeah. Are there is there other body horror that we need to talk about? Or I just feel like some of it is very effective. 
One of my favorites was the moment that she has the jar full of his pee and she's talking and she's shaking it emphatically. And it's one of those great moments where you're like, this shouldn't be that gross. It just came out of his body. You know, it's pee, you know, it's sterile. Like it might smell kind of bad, but whatever. But she's shaking it and the jar is not like, like it's going to looks like it's going to spill because she's gesturing so emphatically. And I was like, why is this upsetting me so much? Yeah. It's uh, it upstages her. Because you're not even paying attention to her performance. You're like, it's going to spill. That's really disgusting. The thing is, that is the performance. That's the whole point. She didn't have to do that. Yeah. It's a beautiful moment where, like, uh, 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 like I'm looking at exactly what... I know exactly what Paul is looking at right now because it's exactly what I'm looking at because it's the only thing any person could look at right now is this jar of jiggling pee. Jars of jiggling pee. Get it away from me. <laughs> what beautiful alliteration, Mary. Yeah. It, the movie like had moments of body horror up to that. And then I, I'd read somewhere, I think it was Barbara Streisand turned down the role because it got too gory at the end. Was it Barbara? Might be someone else. But somebody had turned down the role of Annie because it got so gory at the end. And having read the book, I was like, well, sure, I know it gets weird, but like, what's going to happen? And then watching it, I was like, oh, God. A typewriter to yeah. the temple. Oh God! Like yeah, everything. but she falls right on the typewriter. Yeah. yeah, it just she just keeps getting up, so she keeps getting gorier. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I just want to talk about the story writing aspect of this. Um, well, as far as as far as the adaptations go, this one was way better than Pet, Pet Cemetery. Like okay. no question, way better. But and it's only like a year in between the two movies. Oh, which that's crazy! I find to me. crazy because they're vastly like mm-hmm. they're worlds just like apart miles apart. Yeah, yeah. Um, but like the climax is the end. Like when she dies, it's like we don't get any falling action about like what about the sheriff? What about um, how did he get home? What happened with his legs? How did he get out of? killing this woman like we don't have anything no connection we just have like a flash forward like what six months or something yeah and william goldman he was big on that that like your movie needs to end where it fucking ends and the story isn't about the sheriff the story isn't about is is it about even paul's legs it's about what it what this experience was and what it meant for him so yeah jump ahead to the scene with him explaining what that meant so i and i that was totally an insight I only had because I just read this book. Otherwise, I'd have been like, "Yeah, it was kind of jarring," and I was like, "Oh, I see." And also, I think that might yeah, be but a more... then the the last scene was not necessary in that case. It was like the Except... epi- like, epilogue of Harry Potter. It's like I don't want this. Like this <laughs> is wrapping that. it up way too neatly. Yeah. Except that so much of the story was about Annie trying to have an impact on his storytelling. And then she does. Just that's not true. the way he wanted her to yeah. or the way he planned. I didn't think so about that. So I think that. that's definitely, definitely worthwhile. Should we go ahead and talk about Annie then? Finally. Like we haven't been the whole time. Yes. I know. God. But I mean like as a character in the writing of it. Did she do this? And I was saying that she built up this backstory. Kathy Bates built up a backstory in which Annie had been sexually abused as a child. Seems right. Which would account for that kind of isolation and that kind of distant or uncomfortable behavior with adult men and her difficulty navigating romantic relationships, all this kind of stuff. So Kathy Bates really kind of Developed worked backwards from, yeah. backwards from the book and the script to like what would 
how could someone get this way? And I think that's why right. part of the reason we get such an incredible, incredible performance. Yeah, and I thought that was cool, but I'm also glad we didn't go into it because it would have been reductive to see that on screen, probably. Um, but I, I like. I mean, it was obvious that like something happened to this woman, and it was the wrong cocktail of like her disposition already, and then something traumatized her to skew her morality into thinking this is okay. Um, but I'm glad that we didn't get that in the movie itself. No, no, I think that that, I think, yeah, I think the way it, it plays is the way it needed to play, that we 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 meet her where she is because we're ostensibly watching this through Paul's lens and this is how he meets her, right here, right now. Yeah. In this, in this state. Well, she was That's inspired true. by Janine Jones. New phone, who dis? She's a serial killer. Um, responsible for the deaths of up to what, six of the babies and children. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I do know. I just know her name. Also, the fact that we don't know Janine Jones' name the way we know like John Wayne Gacy's is like patriarchy as fuck. Yeah, but that's also how she got the fuck away with it for so long. So because well, because patriarchy. Is y'all fuck, need to. She was a nurse. Stop underestimating women because we are capable of just as much horrific shit as you are. We're just slicker about it. Ooh, that's true though. That's why there's like a bazillion movies and stuff about like some of the Italian gangsters from the 20s, but nothing about Stephanie St. Clair. She's too slick. She's too slick for y'all. Although equally as much a boss. Yeah. And she was also, uh, Kathy Bates was the first woman to win an Oscar for a horror movie. Yes, bitch. Of course she fucking was. Mm -hmm. Kathy Bates. (laughs) I love her so much. She's so cool. Was it? It was for this movie. Uh huh. Very well deserved, I think. Yeah. Oh, I think I think she just did a tremendous job. I, I think, first of all, Jimmy Khan is is beautiful, obviously. Secondly, he's he's a hard man to upstage, and this was a tough role for him because he's a really like big, physical, beautiful man, and he had to lay there and be so reactionary. He joked mm-hmm. at the time that it was like deliberate torture they like cast him in a thing he couldn't do (laughs) because the character from the early moments of the story finds himself in a situation where all he can do is react but man if she doesn't make him work for it he never looks like a fool but she makes him work for it yeah she was just incredible we're gonna have a twitter we're gonna have a twitter poll about this that's gonna say was kathy bates incredible or incredible (laughs) <laughs> and if any of y'all vote for neither she was incredible okay that'll be the third option if any okay. of y'all vote for the first two then we will find you and kill you misery you i think we already talked about paul too right let's talk production elements then we talked through the story we talked to the cast so let's talk production um sound and music that's oh. where i always like to start yeah I love the little pops of classical music mm, in the mm-hmm. score throughout. I don't know if I noticed the rest of the score too much, and perhaps that's because it was just integrated really well. But I don't know if outside of the classical music, I really noticed soundtracking. Not in a bad way. It just didn't jump at me. You know Mark Shaman. You do. We all know almost the entire production team. I think if I say Rob Reiner... We all know who I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. When Harry met Sally, the Princess Bride, this—he's Meathead from All in the Family. Like, 
you know, Hollywood royalty. Uh, Barry Sonnenfeld is an incredible cinematographer who also directed our other two favorite movies, Adam's Family and Adam's Family Values. What? Yeah. <laughs> William Goldman wrote the novel for The Princess Bride, mm-hmm. which was then directed by Rob Reiner. Mm-hmm. Um, and also wrote a bunch of other, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, All the Presidents. Yeah, Men. I love William Goldman. I love William mm-hmm. Goldman. Mark Shaman. Let me, let me pull up this little list here. Did he write the thong song? How did you get? <laughs> I mean, I know he's done great things. It's just no. I just I was surprised. So I I, I liked the music overall, but I some of the stuff he's he is not just a com- composer. He was a writer on Girls. Okay, weird, but cool. He's also done a lot of arranging and composing. So for things like like Glee or the Oscars. Or dancing with the stars, kind of shit. He's done like a lot of a lot of arranging. Uh, he also did arrangements for a lot of like movies or or, or such. The Thanksgiving Day Parade, the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. Uh, he's just done a bunch of bizarre and cool shit. So Norman Garwood worked on several of my favorite movies, including Brazil, Glory, Hook, Lost in Space. Yay. I also have an amendment because yes. last time okay. our icebreaker was what person would you resurrect to have a conversation with? And I said yeah. Teddy Roosevelt because I didn't think about it too much. As soon mm-hmm. as I listened to that episode, yes, of course I listened to all of the episodes that we put out. Because we're um, funny and Yeah, smart. I was like, this is, an exact, this is the exactly wrong thing. I pick Robin Williams. Oh, that's a good one. I just needed to let everybody know that I made a mistake. And I still love Teddy Roosevelt. You know, Robin Williams played Teddy Roosevelt. So. It's a win-win there for you. It's a win-win. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm sorry, Mary. You were saying. Do it. So according to William Goldman himself, Paul Sheldon was offered two. Are you ready? I'm ready. Warren Beatty. De Niro. Michael Douglas. Richard Dreyfuss. Harrison Ford. Morgan Freeman, Mel Gibson, Gene Hackman, Dustin Hoffman, William Hurt twice, Kevin Klein, Pacino, Robert Redford, Denzel Washington, and Bruce Willis, all of whom declined. Interesting. What a dumb, dumb choice, all those fabulous What movies. would this movie have been like with Han Solo? There are certain things that I think are valuable. I think it's valuable that Paul was such a big, strong man. Yeah. Yeah. That if he'd been like Dustin Hoffman, it would be less impressive, less impactful. Yes. That he'd been physically overpowered or dependent yeah. on somebody else. I think it's meaningful that someone who was clearly really like peak physically, yeah. and especially big and strong, found themselves at Annie's mercy. But also, random question Did Stephen King have a cameo in this film? I know he kind of cameos hey. in a lot. I feel like. I don't remember if I saw him. In I don't remember one in this one. I don't remember one. No. I'll, I'll look while we move on. Okay. Continue. That was just my random question. But, uh, yeah, I think I've come to the conclusion, again, not that this movie was bad in any way, shape, or form, that I, ro- no, no. I romanticize Stephen King movies in my head because he is by far one of my favorite authors, and I enjoy and get lost in his books so much. And so I yeah. just automatically assume that, like, Stephen King movies are great. And then I rewatch some of them, and I'm just like, 
This is so well, much more disappointing because, than the book. Yeah. Like when you read it, it's in your head. And so it's yeah. scarier. It could be anything. And yeah. I He just gives me the skeleton. Yeah. And I just after watching this one, I was like, I think I just don't really like Stephen King. I like Carrie. I didn't hate this one. It was yeah. scary. I just I is don't Is it that think you that just don't like me. even his writing? Uh not very much, no. And yeah. I don't know why that is. I respect it. I understand that it is good. Yeah, you I understand the appeal really like of it. It's just not for you, specifically. I yeah. like this... Like I said, I'm not necessarily a Stephen King fan, but this book I liked tremendously. So if you are if you would be interested in a Stephen King book as you're like, eh, I'll try it out. This this might be a, a good option. This also, is a good starter Stephen King novel. I'm not going to do yeah. it. I read The Shining. Wow. I tried to read Pet Cemetery. Nope, I'm not going to do it. I can see so Stephen King not compare. being Mary Kate's thing, though. Well, at least this movie didn't have any supernatural bullshit. That's true. At the very least. Like, at the very least, we couldn't blame it on an Indian fucking graveyard. That's true. I'm so over that. <laughs> Just white men. Ugh. Oh my I'm gosh, there's excited. so much I'm white nonsense excited. in this movie, and I have been really the- trying to not overuse that phrase. But that is exactly what causes this of it all. whole thing. Yes. Okay. I like how I'll be sure to use it sounds later. like audacity. Because that was the it point. Is, yeah. I just wanted to note that I know, like, I know. That's my favorite thing about you, I think, is that you explain the jokes. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's not a bad thing. I just feel like sometimes people will laugh and laugh for the wrong reason. And I just wanted you to know. I get that the you whole got thing. it. You got the yeah. whole joke. I think Charles and I bonded about that the first time we met in person. He was like, "Is that not your favorite?" And I was like, "Yeah, it is." Because I explain <laughs> everybody's jokes. It's yeah. because I'm a teacher, and like my students will be like, "What do you mean it's a joke?" And so I've just kind of been it's preemptively just being like, no. "This is funny because, like, so <laughs> I think it sucks." That... Oh, Mary, what's our closer? Would you rather? Yep, murder your favorite writer, but get the greatest book of all time or be murdered but create the greatest book of all time i'm not trying to get murdered so i'm gonna murder somebody i'd rather be murdered because i wouldn't want that on my conscience fuck it i'm with mary i'm with mary Kay, but not because of conscience but because like legacy also yeah legacy is nice nah we're fucking shit up over here so speaking of (laughs) legacies there is a new master of horror afoot it is, is the foot. foot. It is the foot. <laughs> yeah, I did it because that's what he says in Parks and Rec. I know. <laughs> a game is the foot. Gotta ex- myself cough. <laughs> you gotta explain the joke, Mary Kay. You may have heard that a new master of horror is the foot. Jordan Peele has a new horror movie coming out soon called Us. And we are all going to see it opening fucking weekend because we love him and we want mm-hmm. our ratings to matter. And you should too <laughs> because mm-hmm. that's what our next episode is going to be about. And if you don't watch it beforehand, we're going to spoil the shit out of it for you because you can't talk about a movie unless you talk about the way it ends. Make yep. sure you go see that shit. Um and here's hoping that more of our classic hip-hop favorites will be made into scary mixes. Oh my my special request is What a Man by salt and Peppa. I guess technically by Invoke no. featuring what? salt and Peppa, but we all know who's the real star of the show. So, 
Thank you so much for listening to us. Don't forget to tell your friends. Make sure you subscribe so you can get this shit hot off the press. And yeah. we will talk to you soon. Hooray! Bye. Yeah, bye. Goodbye. Bye.